Welcome to the Dialed In Podcast, a life and business podcast for those courageous enough to live life on their terms by being dialed in to who they are, what they want, and taking the daily inspired action steps to keep moving forward. I'm your host, Bethany Clemenson, your life transition coach and founder of Big Life Resources. Inside this podcast, we lean into teachings, discussion, and strategies based on the mindset, emotional management, and pure self-leadership needed to create your big life on your terms, your way. Thank you for being here. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you ready to get dialed in? Okay, let's get after it. Hey there, we're a few episodes in to season three here at Dialed In, and I thought it may be a good time to reintroduce myself. We have a lot of brand new listeners, and I'm getting your messages, and thank you for your support, for subscribing. I deeply appreciate you spending time here and love reading your reviews of the Dialed In podcast. I uh, I just thought today I would sit for a few minutes and share with you my story. I don't have this scripted or written out, um, but I just wanted to keep it real, uh, like I always try to do here at Dialed In, and give you some backstory to why I do what I do, where I came from, and who I am. So I'm Bethany Clemenson. I am 46 years old. I'll be 47 August 19th of 2022. Uh, I have been married to my husband, Tom, for uh, it'll be 23 years. Also in August of this year, we met on a blind date and I had no interest and he asked me to marry him. And less than a year later, we got married. We met in December. He asked me to marry him on Valentine's Day, the following February, and we got married that next August. <laughs> and um, and I'm not saying it's always been easy, but we'll dive into that in a minute. So I was uh, born in Carbondale, Illinois and raised in Southern Illinois. I spent as much time as I could at my grandparents' farm in a really tiny town called Martinsville, Illinois, really close to the Indiana border uh, near Terre Haute, Indiana. And I was very, very close to my grandparents. Uh, I would run around barefoot with my shirt off until I was told I could no longer have my shirt off. I was tomboy through and through. My parents were wonderful, are wonderful people. My mom was a nurse, my dad a mechanic, and uh, they they did their best to raise us in a, a Christian home, which is what they knew, and um, make sure that we were we turned out to be good people. <laughs> I have one sister. Her name's Amanda. She's seven years younger than me, and she currently lives in Illinois. Although she's been all over the place because her husband uh, was in the military. So it was just my sister and I. When I was uh, eleven months old, my dad, his name was Rich. He was struck by lightning and killed uh, walking across their golf course in Arizona. He was doing some hunting and a storm came up 
and uh, he was struck by lightning. And interestingly enough, um, several months prior to that, he was finishing up his master's degree and he got both bacterial and viral meningitis and he was in a coma and they called family. They didn't think he was going to make it. And then he came through that. He had some pretty big side effects from it, some big headaches and And, uh, he seemed to have a shorter temper after he came out of the coma. And, but then him and my mom got married and he lived long enough to have me and, uh, then died when I was 11 months. And it's, it's so strange, you know, to think about that. I remember, um, when I was in my early twenties, I thought about how it would be to die that young. I thought about that a lot. And, uh, you know, sometimes we just don't know why, why things happen. And so, Anyway, my mom remarried when I was three and uh, my dad, Randy, adopted me when I was in sixth grade because, well, and this is my take on it. I haven't asked him his take, but um, he always says that he chose me, that I was chosen. And I believe that. But I remember asking him if he loved my sister more than me because they had her when I was seven. And uh, and af- not long after that, he he adopted me. So those are my early years. Um, and my parents are great people. I always felt like I was taken care of and I knew that, you know, they supported me. And when worse came to worse, if I screamed, they would be there. I knew that. And, um, growing up, I just, I had this sense that I wasn't good enough. And, and I think both of my parents struggled with that, although we didn't talk about it, but uh, we grew up in a trailer on a beautiful lake. And one day when I was getting off the bus, our trailer was pulled over in the vacant um, area next to us. And there was a double wide in its place. And we were so excited to have so much more space. But I remember my mom saying a lot growing up, I just want to live in a house that doesn't have wheels. I want to live in a house that doesn't have wheels. And eventually she got that wish, but I always felt like there was something wrong because We didn't have a house like other people. And I looked for reasons in my younger years to prove that I wasn't enough. Um, There was even one time when I was in high school, I was in science class and I'm tall and gangly. I'm almost 5'10". I have long arms and legs and um, we had to wear shorts. If we wore shorts, they had to go past our fingertips in school. And I remember one time my shorts, I mean, I had to like scrunch my shoulders up in order for my fingertips not to go past the edge of my shorts, but I was so tall and we couldn't find anything else at that time. And it was the best we could do, but I was so nervous that I was going to get in trouble. And I didn't get, I wasn't, I didn't ever get in trouble. I'd never been sent to the principal's office. Like I didn't get in trouble. And anyway, I was so scared I would get in trouble that when I went to science class, the science teacher asked me something and I don't even know what it was, but what I heard was, go to the principal's office. Your shorts are too short. (laughs) So I went to the principal's office and they actually called back to the science room. And he's like, I didn't say that, but uh, I was just so in my head and so nervous that I saw reasons to be insecure everywhere. And I don't know if you can relate to this, but my high school years were not my best years because I didn't feel good enough. Um, I made choices that were in alignment with that. And in fact, I had all of my friends labeled in my head, of course, I didn't tell a soul about any of this because I thought I was alone. 
and all of my friends, I had labels for them, like the smart one, the one that could dance, the really friendly one, you know, the one with the beautiful hair. And then there was me. And, and I always made myself not belong. Again, I always made myself not belong. And that went on for years. So into my adulthood, um, I became a nurse because I didn't know what else to be. And I thought it'd be a safe job. My mom told me there would always be sick people. And so I became a nurse. I made really poor choices in relationships and um, ended up being with someone and feeling really trapped in an abusive state and not knowing what to do. And there was a woman that I worked with at a birdseed company. I was a customer service rep. And uh, she looked at me one day and said, I don't know what's going on with you, but you are smart and you don't have to live this life that you're choosing. You, you can do something about it. And um, it was about two weeks later, I left that relationship and really started to get my life together. So fast forward. Um, I'm in nursing school. I plan to be a nurse on a cruise ship. I had made so many poor choices when it came to men that I was convinced that my picker was broken. And so I wanted nothing to do with men. And then a friend of mine called me and said, Hey, we want to, we have a friend and, and, um, we want you two to meet and we're going to a Christmas party in Florida and he's going to be there and he'll fly you down and let's just hang out for the weekend and you can go on this blind date to this Christmas company Christmas party and we'll be there with you. And I'm like, no, no, thanks, but no. And she's like, come on, it's a weekend in Florida. You're going to get to see the sun. And it was, it was December. And, um, obviously, since you already heard the beginning of our story, I ended up saying yes. And fast forward, you know, Tom and I got married. So, uh, one of the things that made me stay around because I really wanted to leave. I really was terrified. I did everything I could to convince Tom that I was not um, a good match. And he just believed in me and he just stood by me. And one of the things I'll never forget, uh, he was telling me after not long after we met, he, uh, he said, the people that are doing all these things that you want to do, the, the, the dreams that you have, maybe that you've shared with me, maybe that you haven't. And the people that are doing the things that you want to do, they're no smarter than you are. They've just figured it out and you're capable of figuring it out too. And, and I'd never, I'd never even considered that. I was so stuck in, you're a girl from a trailer, know your place. You're not good enough. Stay humble. You're never going to live up to other people's expectations. I had all these stories in my head. You're not good at math. You're not that smart. You're definitely not pretty enough to get you anywhere. You know, just know your place, stay small. And uh, I didn't even know that was my story. Not even when I met Tom, I didn't know that was my story, but I did know that he had something that I wanted and he had a different kind of hope that I wanted. And so we got married. We uh, moved to Wisconsin for a while, for about a year. Then we moved to Florida and I went back to school and got uh, my registered nurse. I was a, a license, an LPN previously, and I went back to school and became an RN. And then we ended up moving to Iowa when we got pregnant with our daughter, Gwen. And so when we moved there, I took a job in the emergency room at the local hospital. And 
I hated my job. Now, maybe hate's a strong word, but I didn't enjoy it. I liked the people that I worked with. I didn't like the trauma necessarily. I liked the adrenaline rush, <laughs> if I'm honest. But then I was also kind of scared because you didn't know, you didn't ever know what to expect. And I was still new. I was still a relatively new nurse. And here I am, you know, a new nurse. And, and we moved to Iowa and I had a newborn baby newborn-ish baby at home and was working part-time. And there were times I would cry before I went into work. And I just thought that was how it was. I didn't know that you could love your job or feel like your job wasn't even work. I had no idea it could be like that. And uh, so I, I was just toiling away there, not thinking anything different. And a friend of mine shared with me about an ad she saw in the newspaper. You see, I'm dating myself, an ad in the newspaper. Who even has those anymore? But um, she said, there's this ad in the paper for a management position in a senior living community. I'm not even sure what that is, but the description sounds like you. And I read the description and I'm like, well, to myself, I thought that that sounds like who I want to be, but I didn't have any management experience. I mean, the most of my managed was like the household at home and I could run a code, you know, and I could manage the emergencies in the ER, but I didn't ever hire or fire anybody or have anything like that. Never led a meeting, none of it. Well, after several months of interviewing, I got the job and I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell that I would get that position, but I did. And it was the first time I understood what people meant when they said they love their job. I would have goosebumps and be giddy when I drove up to the building. I couldn't believe that I had the opportunity to make an impact, not only on the staff, the people that I was hiring for my leadership team and, and everyone else in the building, but also the residents that were moving in and their families. It was a lot of responsibility and a lot of opportunity to show kindness and to be the kind of boss that I always wanted. Again, I had no management experience, but I did know what it was like to feel less than and to and to have people say and do things that made you, you know, that implied that you were less than. Um, I started off in high school as a dietary aide in a nursing home and then a CNA. And those nurses, there were many nurses that were really mean to me and doctors too. It was like you didn't matter when the thing is, the people that are CNAs and are dietary aides, they are do they're working their asses off. And I never would have known that unless, you know, if I hadn't have lived it. And so I wanted to be the person as a boss that honored everybody in their position. And did I always get it right? Hell no. I fell on my face a few times. I learned lessons the hard way. But I got it figured out and I realized that I loved it. And so over time, I moved up the, the corporate ladder. I started helping train other managers and nurses in other buildings. I started helping other buildings with marketing. And then eventually they had me traveling to other communities. Even though I was managing mine, I would travel and help out. And then I stepped into a true role with our corporate office as a regional director. And... um. In the back end of all that, what was really happening, even though I loved what I did, I threw myself into that because I felt like I could win 
there. And at home, I didn't always feel like I could win. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing as a mom. And I had this sense that I was always disappointing my husband. And that as I look back, and since now, obviously, you can connect the dots going backwards, I realize most of that was a story in my head that I told myself because I didn't feel good enough. But I just kept pushing and pushing and working towards the next uh, financial milestone and the next goal I had. And we were rapidly checking off society's prescribed life boxes. You know what I mean, right? We had the house, we had the the kid, and I had an, we had another child. Our kids are two years apart. So um, as the at the time of this recording, Gwen is now 17 and Gavin is 15. So that's been several years ago. And uh, I had reached a point where we had checked these boxes. We had built our dream house. My husband and I designed it and he built it himself, like did everything, the plumbing, the wiring, everything but pour um, the, the basement with the concrete truck. <laughs> um, he did everything else. And uh, we had moved into it and we had nice vehicles. We were living in a financial state where we weren't overextended. And, you know, 2.5 kids, white picket fence. We had a cute dog. You know, I had the job and the title and we were disconnected. And I would lay in bed at night asking myself, is this all there is? So I'd reached a point in my career where I'd moved up to the point where, you know, I was doing all these things. I felt like I couldn't keep up. I, it was now where I'm 10 years into my job, close to 10 years. And um, I'm on call 24 seven and I'm tired. And I can't shut my brain off because I'm always trying to win. And what I didn't realize is that I was hustling for my worth. I never dealt with the fact I didn't feel good enough. Um, I just kept trying to fill that space with, you know, designer handbags and saying the right things at the meetings and sending the emails in the right tone and acting very professional and keeping my shit together at work, right? If I just kept faking it, somehow maybe I would feel it. Maybe when I got that next promotion or when I won the Iowa Assisted Living Administrator of the Year Award, then I would feel like it. Nope, I won that. Still didn't feel it. I was empty. And I got to the point where staying where I was and feeling this stuck and laying in bed at night and asking myself, is this all there is? While I felt like I didn't know my children, Tom and I just had a superficial relationship and I just felt mad and bitter and disappointed inside. And the company I was working with um, offered their executives a life coach. And at that point, I didn't even have the level of self-worth to take steps to invest in myself because I didn't understand how things could be different. I didn't know what I didn't know. And, you know, I had read books. I had read, you know... Brene Brown and I had read um, some of the other self-help books that had been out at that time. Yeah, I knew about Start With Why and um, I think You Are a Badass came out around that time and and I could recite the quotes and things, but I, I wasn't having change in my life. I could act very inspirational, but I wasn't getting the results I wanted. And so I raised my hand and started working with this coach and I was so skeptical and reluctant, but he was so patient with me. And we did 30 minute calls, um, every week. And it was a game changer for me. I learned about 
self-talk. I learned about belief systems. I learned what my values were. I crafted a personal I am statement. I am a confident, kind, giving, determined woman. I, I crafted that with him. And at the time, I remember when I heard it, I cried because that's who I wanted to be, but that's, I didn't feel like I was that person. And, and he said to me, that is who you are. We just have some beliefs in the way. We just have some, some thinking that we need to, um, we need to move through and, and get, and get rid of and replace, and you're going to be fine. And so I was so excited about this work because for the first time I felt really hopeful that something could change in my life. And, um, things started to change pretty rapidly. Uh, I, I really started to understand who I was in bigger ways. And when that happened, um, I started to dream differently and I started to think about my life differently. And I really started to ask myself, what do I want for the first time ever? And the question initially was, why am I doing this? Am I ordering this cheeseburger with my friends because I like cheeseburgers or is it just because it's what I've always done? Why am I going to church every Sunday? Is, is it because I'm living up to my family's expectations or is it because I really feel aligned with what they're teaching here? You know, why am I gossiping? Why am I surrounding myself with people that talk bad about others? Why am I participating, you know, in this event? Why am I volunteering? You get the idea. Asking myself that at every turn helped me get really clear about my motives for how I was living my life. And it was a game changer. So through this, initially, my husband was also very skeptical. In fact, when I told him I was going to, when I was going to get help from a coach, he was like, well, God gave you a brain, use it. Um, you know, he, I don't remember exactly what he said, but something like, you know, can't you figure this out on, on your own? You're smart. Aren't there books about this? And I'm like, you're speaking exactly all of my fears and all the reasons why it took me so long to ask for help. But I've tried all those things and what I'm doing isn't working. You see, I had so many blind spots, so many things that I was doing and I just couldn't see how I was blocking myself, that working with a coach, having someone that can offer you a safe place and give you perspective and ask you questions so you can really discover what is going on with you is huge. I, I, it's huge. And so fast forward, um, I ended up leaving my my corporate role and getting trained as a coach in my coach's company. So um, I gave my notice and uh, called my coach to let him know I gave my notice. And, and he's like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I, I don't know. I'm going to take a break for a little bit. And then I got up the nerve to tell him that I thought about being a coach. And he said, let me train you. Let me train you. You're using a lot of the skills that I've taught you and I've done with you, but let me train you. And so I, I trained to be a coach with him. And then eventually a few years later, I went on to be certified as a speaker, coach, and trainer with the John Maxwell team um, as a leadership coach. And uh, after uh, taking another corporate role, I just got really clear about what I wanted. And it was to do coaching and speaking full time. I'd been speaking in my 
leadership career with the senior living companies for years. But I started branching out and doing other things like team conferences. I was in a stage time competition with the John Maxwell team. I worked directly with a speaking trainer um, to craft messaging. And I knew there were some things that I wanted to do. And so um, as my as I started to change, everyone around me changed. Well, not really. It's just how I saw everyone around me. But my family and I did start to dream together differently. So here's what happened. You won't believe this. <laughs> so I conned my husband, maybe conned is a strong word, but I took him as a hostage to this weekend event where um, it was all based on personal growth. And on our way home from the event, um, he turned to me and said, we have to sell everything. And we had toyed with the idea of doing something crazy in me, leaving my corporate job and launching my business full time and uh, us traveling with the kids. And they weren't getting any younger. They were both teenagers. And so we decided we would do that, but we wanted to get the kids opinion first. So we went home and we got their opinion and we let them tell us where they would want to go and decide if this is what they wanted to do. And they were both in. And so we put our house on the market and three months later, we were leaving our house, our dream house for the last time. Oh, it still like chokes me up a little bit to think about that day, but I have no regrets, no regrets. And we ended up traveling for uh, about a year in a motorhome and we had never been campers. And so after our travels, we ended up in the North Woods of Wisconsin and we bought a multi-cabin property where we um, we are fixing up cabins to do Airbnbs and retreats. So we have one cabin that we live in now, and it's 800 square feet. And we have another cabin that's almost done that's 400 square feet and another one just like it that we'll start working on after. And then we have a couple more that we want to do. But it's on a beautiful recreational lake um, in the north woods of Wisconsin. We're about two hours north of Minneapolis, St. Paul. And, and it's, it is, it's absolutely beautiful up here. And then we also um, just recently purchased a RV at one of our favorite resorts in Florida that we will escape winter <laughs> and go down there and hang out. So both of our kids, after going back to school at traditional school, decided they wanted to do school online so we could travel more. And my husband has his own company and he's on the road regularly. And so now we have the freedom to travel with him because I can coach from anywhere. And speaking has been something that's kind of gone by the wayside, except virtually the last couple of years, but it's starting to come back. I have a couple of speaking engagements. I have one coming up in April and I have another one in Kansas City in May. And the world seems to be starting to open up again. So um, why I do what I do? Well, because I know in my journey, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And if you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking to yourself, is this all there is? Is this all there is? And you hear that whisper of more for you. I want you to know that there is more for you and you are capable. And I believe in you and I believe in your dreams. And there's so much more to the story. And there's so many things that I've learned about self-talk, emotional regulation and management, about being connected spiritually. This isn't about religion. It's about being connected to source. God, universe, Gus is what I call her. <laughs> um, about taking care of your body, about knowing that you're bigger than your body. You're a spiritual being 
gifted with an intellect, having a human experience, and that you get to decide. When things happen outside of you, you get to decide what happens in you. And that's your greatest power, your greatest strength. We are so powerful, but we often get caught up in all the things that we absorbed, that we turned into beliefs as kids, and we just repeat patterns when we don't stop to investigate our blind spots and why we're doing what we're doing. Coaching has changed my life. And I have a coach to this day. I will always have a coach because they help me see things I just can't see. You know, if we could all solve our own problems, nobody would have problems, (laughs) you know, but it's not, it's, it's not that way. And so, hi, nice to meet you. If you've heard my story before, thank you for listening. If this is your first time, if you have any questions, reach out to me, but I'm here to serve. My name is Bethany Clemenson. I'm a life transition coach. I transitioned the shit out of my life and I've helped other people do the same by getting really clear about who they are, understanding what they want and getting out of their own way, and then taking that action that is aligned with who they are to change their life. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to a portion of my story. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, take action, live big, and stay dialed in. Hey again, it's Bethany. I wanted to pop on and tell you about a workshop that's coming up that you might be interested in because if you're here listening to this podcast, then I know that you're growth-minded and you're really focused on getting dialed in to what it is that you want and taking the action to get there. So I'm doing a workshop at the end of March, March 31st at 6 p.m. That's central time in Zoom. And it's a free two-hour workshop called Addition by Subtraction. And what we're doing inside is we're talking about things in your life that you need to let go of in order to move yourself forward. So I am doing some teaching inside, but really we're diving into the science behind why we hang on to things, why we hang on to beliefs and thoughts that don't serve us, and relationships that uh, don't help us move forward, that maybe even keep us stuck. And then we go to work on really identifying what is working for us and not working for us and the action steps you need to take to either move toward what you know is good for you and working for you and move away, distance yourself, subtract the things from your life that aren't. So what you will find is when you get really clear about what you do want and what you need to let go of, the space that you create for more amazing things to come into your life for opportunities and possibilities, it's exponential. So join us in this workshop. It is free, but space is limited, but sign up today. Bigliferesources.com forward slash life. Again, bigliferesources.com forward slash life. We'll see you March 31st at 6 p.m. Central. See ya.